You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Everybody and welcome to What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I have joining me registered massage therapist Marco DeLeon. Although fairly new to the massage industry, Marco started out as a certified personal trainer before becoming a massage therapist in 2019. Given his background in fitness, Marco's approach to massage is movement-oriented, with his treatment focusing more on the fascial and nervous system rather than just simply massaging muscles. Marco uses his training background to spend time during each treatment session to go over correctional exercises, muscle activations, and or resistance training based on the client's chief complaint or need. I'm super excited to have him on the show to talk all about posture and generally just geek out in terms of anatomy and physiology. Welcome to the show, Marco. Hi, Lena. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'd love to hear a little bit about why you decided to go from personal training to massage therapy. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I got into personal training, it started because my mom needed hip replacement surgery or sorry, knee replacement surgery. Um, And at the time, um, all I knew was just working out for myself. I was fairly athletic growing up. I was always playing sports um, and I got into weightlifting in high school just to like, just get stronger for the sport that I was playing at the time. Um, And I was fortunate enough that the job that I had at the time, I could schedule out my day where I was able to be with my mom for the orientations prior to the surgery itself and be there while she was doing her Um, at-home rehab exercises. Mm -hmm. So at the time, the rehab exercises were just very, very simple to an everyday person where it was just just almost relearning how to bend her knee, Mm -hmm. putting on her socks, getting up and off, up and down from a seated position, stuff like that. Something, some things we definitely take for granted, Um, but it was very painful for her. And because I didn't really know much, I didn't know whether or not I was pushing her too hard. And it wasn't until she came back after her first physiotherapist appointment, where her physiotherapist was telling her how much improvement she made in, in, in one week. So when she came back with that, those news, that lit a light bulb where it might've been something that I can get into because it was something that I really enjoyed. And just the look in my mom's face when she was telling me the good news that like all that pain that she was going through just through rehab it was worth it that she wasn't going to be limited in movement her knee wasn't going to be bugging her anymore Mm -hmm. so that's what got me into personal training and then what got me into massage was a little after I got into personal training I quickly realized that the general population in one way or another um, we're broken. There's these little underlying issues that we might need to take care of before getting to our big goal of uh, losing weight or building strength. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we can we can attack those th those main goals, but in order to really get into um, getting towards those goals without risk risking ourselves of injuries, mm -hmm. we need to uh, attack those underlying goals. And those um, those underlying issues are due to most of the time just either just being very inactive, getting into fitness for the very first time or past injuries that um, that haven't fully healed or anything like that, or just living a sedentary life. Mm. And the number one thing that comes from it is just the muscle imbalances that it provides from just not moving around too much. Mm -hmm. So one of the first courses that I took is called, was called fascial stretch therapy. And one of the instructors was a, he pretty much, took the same path that I'm taking where he started off as a personal trainer, got into massage therapy and then um, fascial stretch therapy as well. Now he's doing, he's, he's taken that a blend of all three and, and became a FST instructor. Mm -hmm. So I picked his brain because to me at the time, massage therapy was just relaxation type massages. It's something where you go to um, go to, when you're at a spa or something. I never looked at it as um, a therapist that could help fix problems, help fix aches and pains. Um, so I picked his brain about it. And then this is where he told me like, we spend half the year of being of massage school learning um, assessments and um, therapeutic massage type techniques. So that's where, um, that kind of opened that those doors and after that fst course i quickly signed up for massage school after that and you know like for our listeners this is the difference between a registered massage therapist and someone who just you know has a certification in relaxation techniques like yeah when, when you go and see a registered massage therapist they know their stuff like you know uh insertion points you know muscle imbalances like you know all about anatomy and how muscles are supposed to move and what happens when they're not moving properly. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a serious profession. It's not just like a spa. It is, it is. But I also, the other thing that I have to say is um, one thing I quickly learned after getting into massage was how outdated massage really is. Mm -hmm. So FST, um, like, as you mentioned, I'm very fascial based, right? Rather than muscle only based type of um, work. And that's because of FST. So yeah, can, FST, can, you, can you explain that? What FST so is? Fascial stretch therapy, it's again, it's working more with a fascia. And fascia is, it's like a thin layer of tissue that surrounds each individual muscle and then also surrounds our whole body. And then, attach those attached to the fascia we have lots of nerve endings there's actually more nerve endings attached to fascia than there are innervated in the muscles themselves Amazing. right yeah so when you can when you can calm down the nervous system that changes a lot right so if you're going to try to attack the nervous system you want to attack the part of the body where there's more nerve endings attached to it mm -hmm. so in fact there's one thing and then also because fascia surrounds each individual muscle if you are if you were someone who's going to be massaging muscle 
there's no way about it to go through the fascia. So if you, why would you skip the fascia to get to the muscle when you're gonna have to hit the fascia to get to the muscle anyways? Did that make sense? Absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, like I think for a lot of our our listeners, they'll they'll think, well, I don't even know what fascia is, but that was a really yeah. good way of explaining it. So an- another good visual to really explain what fascia is is when you peel an orange, you know that white thin layer um, yep. just, just on just on top of that really meaty or orangey part. Yep, that is what fascia really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a lot of people they peel the like they peel as much of that white layer off. Mm-hmm. Funny story is fascia is such a fairly new concept in the industry because they were doing the same thing in cadaver labs. They were peeling fascia off to get to the muscle, completely disregarding it up until somebody thought of, well, maybe this is something that we need to concentrate on because it surrounds the whole body. Yeah, and it's non-contractile, so you can't even like, you you, you kind of need to manually go into it, don't you? Yes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's not, it's not something where our muscles like we can we can control our fascia, right? Um, but it is all connected. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing where um, fascia is what connects one muscle to the other and creates this one big chain link. And when you start learning into fascia, you'll hear either it's called fascial lines, fascial uh, chains, just a whole bunch of different phrases, just really just kind of describing a link of muscles that connects um, one big line. And then so you can have somebody with an issue in like a headache, give someone a foot massage, you get rid of that headache just because it just travels through that fascial line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it's really amazing how muscle imbalances contribute to so many different things having to do with our posture. You posted something about forward head posture and it really caught my attention. It was actually the post that really made me want to reach out and get you on my podcast because I've been going through my own injury rehab. So I was in a pretty severe aquatic accident when I was 13 um, and then a whiplash injury five years ago. And I'm just seeing the repercussions kind of now, but as I look back, I've probably always you know, I've always had headaches for as long as I can remember and, um, really figuring out how to correct my posture now that I'm back in school and sitting so much. So you put up a post about forward head posture, and I would love for you to talk more about this condition because I think it pretty much affects most people. Yes, definitely. Especially these day and age when we're just in front of a computer and even more so now, just looking down at our cell phones as well Mm. right yeah so yeah so there's a new phrase called now called text neck it's just because we're always looking down at our phones and then it pulls our neck forward and which causes that forehead posture as well yeah so basically forehead posture is um what it sounds like it's just our our head and our neck being pushed forward um and Again, just like somebody who's sitting down a lot who gets um, pains in their hip because that the muscles that are shortened, the muscles that are pulling the neck forward become shortened because they've just 
been staying in that position for so long that they they become relaxed in that position mm -hmm. that now um when the muscles become shortened that way it's constantly pulling the neck forward and when you think about it the head weighs 10 pounds right um as soon as it starts being pulled forward the head become it feels heavier because now it's not directly perfectly balanced on top of our spine so the muscles have to work a lot harder to hold our head up yeah so our 10 pound head starts feeling like it's 40 pound head and then those muscles that are generally supposed to just kind of work on just keeping just maintaining a certain position on top of our spine now have to work a lot harder because it feels like it's a 40 pound head and we're having to keep that head up at the same time when our neck gets pulled forward the skull itself has to kind of look up to keep our horizon uh placed forward mm. so then we have those shortened muscles at the back of the at the bottom of our skull and then that is what cause, those short muscles are is what causes those headaches that people always complain about yeah oh yeah 100 percent. what are some other symptoms of forward head posture so the main thing that people talk about um, is, so there's two ways of saying it. it's either hyperkyphosis or upper cross syndrome. And basically that's the overflexion of our upper, upper spine, just really rounded backs, shoulders uh, rolled forward. Um, so that you can just picture somebody sitting in a, in front of a desk, in front of a computer all day, just leading on top of a desk, a student um, just in, uh, in a desk listening to um, their teacher all day, or a couch potato just laying down on their couch. Mm -hmm. We are always just putting that um, forward posture, just everything, just everything in front of us is just tightened up. And then all those muscles in the back just get stretched out and what we call weak and inhibited. Um, so that is the one thing. And then there is a debate whether or not forward head posture is the cause or the effect of upper cross syndrome, right? And it really is both. You can't, it's hard to fix upper cross syndrome without fixing the neck as well. Because if the neck is always just pushed forward, you're, it's going to be hard to kind of fix that um, upper cross syndrome too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's all connected, right? Like, and I find that was one thing that was, I really struggled with too. And I was having symptoms like headache, jaw pain, um, like the TMD, so many different symptoms. And when I started, well, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't do things correctly at first. What I was doing is I was retracting my head. So I was pulling my head back <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing the motion and I know my listeners aren't going to be able to see me, but I'm pulling my head back, but that what that's doing is it's creating shearing and that's not what you want to do either. What you really want is thoracic extension and that puts your head in a proper posture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, the idea about it is just kind of like trying to place your head back over your shoulders. Yeah. So you have the right idea of like just kind of tucking in your chin and it's a lot it's it's a cue that a lot of therapists a lot of trainers give to as an exercise to do that um, to fix those issues but 
yes, it's like it's a little bit more um it's not as uh straightforward, like you yeah. said, because yes, you create that sharing effect and then it also some people who do it and they just do it so drastically, then they yeah. get like all of a sudden like the 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 front of their neck, they just get like this crampy feeling. Mm-hmm. Or at the back of that skull, they just feel like it's something's just getting pulled. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very little nuanced movements. It's not like these big grandiose, right? Like like huge extension. It's like breathing in and like, right? It's it's yeah. so yeah. small, which is why you really do need someone who knows what they're talking about to really help you with your posture. Yeah. And that's what we're here for in person is to really give those cues and just uh, just seeing someone do these exercises and just being there one-on-one. We can make those small corrections rather than someone just watching a YouTube video. Yeah. Somebody can be as dis- perfectly descriptive as possible, but a lot of times we just try to, we mimic what we see in, the, in those YouTube videos. Yeah. Right? And if it, look, if it looks right, then that's what we're going to do up until something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can create other muscle imbalances if you're pulling something back too aggressively. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that I teach my clients is when we're doing any type of stretch, if you have to really force yourself into a stretch and you're just very, very tense throughout that whole stretch, you're not really fixing anything because the whole idea in a stretch is to try to relax in that stretch position. Yeah. So yes, you're trying to put yourself in a, a, a certain range point, but the end goal as well is to breathe and relax in that position. Because again, once the nervous system recognizes and can calm down, then things start releasing. Mm. If the body is always tense at that end range and you're holding your breath and stuff like that, you're maintaining tension, you're not really, you you might feel a little better because you feel a little bit of a stretch, but you, it's not something you're gonna keep. Yeah. And then that, that nervous system is always just fired up at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and what happens when the nervous system is fired up? Like what kind of symptoms are you gonna get? So a lot of times it's just like a lot of chest breathing. And then, so the nervous, when the nervous system is fired up, you just, um, you're you're activating a different portion of the autonomic nervous system which is our fight or flight Mm -hmm. so it's it's the nervous system that we want when we're working out when we're doing a lot of adrenaline type stuff right but it's when we're trying to relax um, we're trying to get to our rest and digest type of nervous system um, that is where things start calming down yeah so when we're always in that high stress state these are the these are the that's the nervous system that's going to keep us awake at night um that's going to give us anxiety that's going to give us um the inability to digest food the way we're supposed to right because once that nervous system is fired up those the body functions that's um that's responsible for keeping us at rest um, helping us sleep, helping us digest food, that's going to take uh, a sideline. And then it, what's, and it, it puts the other stuff that's keeping us alert as more important. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
You talked a little bit about stretching. That kind of leads me into my next question. What's the difference between flexibility and mobility? And what are your views on stretching in general? Because there's there's a bit of a, a debate between whether people actually need to stretch or not. And I don't think people realize that there are two schools of thought. What are your thoughts on that? So flexibility and mobility, they go hand in hand. Um, the best way to think about it is flexibility is um, the amount of range that you can get, right? So somebody who's able to do the splits, they're flexible enough to do the splits. Mobility is the amount of body control that the person has in that range. Okay. So somebody, somebody who's able to do the splits, they're using gravity as help to kind of put them in that position. Um, but if you ask them to kind of raise their leg up to put themselves in a split position themselves, so they would need to activate those certain muscles to try to put themselves in that split position, they might not have the strength to lift their leg up. So that, um, that range where they can get to without the help of gravity or any outside force, that's their mobility. And then that, that unlocked range is that missing portion of like, that is the range that they can, that they don't have access to, mm -hmm. right? So they're flexible enough to get to a certain range of point, uh, range of motion, but they don't have the mobility to get there themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they go hand in hand, um, but you can't have, you can't have mobility without flexibility. Right. But then, you, yeah, you can have, you, you can have flexibility, uh, you can have flexibility without mobility though. Right. So okay. flexibility is always step one. Mobility is the next step afterwards. Okay. And what are your views on stretching? So stretching, so the, 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 the debate between that is what's a better um, warm up to do prior to a workout? Static stretching, holding a stretch for 30 seconds to a minute, or dynamic stretching, moving in and out over and over again into a stretch. Mm -hmm. And to me, from the research and books that I've kind of read is it really depends what you're what you're doing and you'll hear you'll hear that phrase a lot in the industry and in, in therapy or personal training somebody asks questions oh should I do this this or this and the answer a lot of times is it depends yeah <laughs> so it depends because if somebody is very immobile right a static stretch helps and then also, it depends what type of training you're going to be doing afterwards. If somebody is going to be doing more type of like full body functional movement type of training, then static stretching might be beneficial for them because you're just you're unlocking a range and you're holding the reason why you're holding it there for a certain amount of time again is to relax at that range point. But if someone needs more um, stability, like if they're doing some type of power lifting um, type of training, then dynamic stretching might be more beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. And then in my certification for personal training, um, they use static stretching as more of a, like a beginner's type of stretch, 
where if like somebody who's very uh, sedentary, they'll do, we'll put them in more of a static stretch prior to their workout. Then we'll do, go into dynamic type stretching, like uh, foam rolling, um, body weight squats or some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it also depends too on the person's body type as well. Um, these are my kind of views on stretching. It's, it's, it's a, it depends kind of answer <laughs> because everyone's so different, you know, like yeah. I'm hypermobile. So I have hypermobility syndrome. Stretching is not a good idea for me. Like no. I, I do myself a mischief when I stretch. Um, and I only found that out, like I was only diagnosed and it made so much sense as to why I've just randomly torn muscles very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by a couple of physios and then like all of these jaw issues and my dentist, like well, your jaw is just hypermobile, like all of these light bulbs started to, to go off. And I had spent like all this time as a bar instructor, stretching, stretching, stretching. And I would feel awful after I taught my whole body would hurt. And I stopped stretching and just started doing things like foam rolling, a little bit more dynamic kind of work, no static stretches. And and it was a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends. (laughs) But one other thing too, is just, it's, you have to have a blend of stretch and strengthening. Right. So like somebody like, like you just mentioned, bar instructors, yogis, they're very more on the one end of the tail of just being, being very mobile. And yeah. then here on the other end, you have all, all these weightlifters and stuff like that, who's just very into just being as stable as possible to be able to lift the amount of weight that they need to lift. Um, so if you have, if you, if you're only stuck at one end, you're going to have issues either way. Somebody, somebody who's just strict on being as um, strong as possible, they're going to be very immobile and that's going to cause issues. Somebody who's um, all they do is bar uh, and, and yoga all the time, they're going to have issues because like you said, they're going to be hypermobile all the time yep. and they, they lack that stability. Yeah. So you, you need a blend of both. And then that's kind of where um, postural type of massage techniques happen, where we do a blend of strengthening, uh, stretching and strengthening. And that's where my practice comes in. And that's where I use my personal training background in my therapeutic work, where in the treatment room, we do the stretch portion of it. And then we'll go out on the gym floor and do some type of resistance training or even just muscle activations just to wake up those muscles that have been inhibited from from being stretched out for too long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why I feel when I got into massage school, I learned that um, massage is very outdated. And this is why a lot of massage therapists, I feel, end up going the route of just doing um relaxation work is just it's just easy to just massage the whole body mm-hmm. because if somebody tells you like oh my my lower back hurts my my neck my shoulders and neck hurt um you don't need to do an assessment um 
necessarily if you just massage the whole body in one way or another you're going to get to the chief complaint you're going to make them feel better mm -hmm. right but you, you, they might not be fixing the actual issue itself yeah. and that's where i'm very um i'm very into assessment to really just kind of really finding out what the main issue is and just really um working on what we need to work on in yeah. the treatment room and then and then go out on the gym floor and work on the stuff there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I really appreciate about you. Um, I love the name of your Instagram movement matters. Um, and you're very like, I love how hands on you are. I love how functional you are and actually getting to the root problem. Cause like you said, well, yeah, I could just go and massage and, and whatever they could feel good for a time being. But if you're not strengthening the muscle, if you're not taking them through the range of motion, they need to go through. If you're not actually giving them like lifelong tips to have better posture, what are you really doing? Yeah. 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 So I, I, I love that. That is your philosophy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And right. I am, I'm very into client education as well. And I get that more for, from my personal training background because back when I was in, when I was doing like only personal training, I would love it when the client would ask me, he's like, oh, why are we doing this exercise? How does this pertain to my goal? I love being asked those questions because it gives me the sense of like, this person actually cares of what we're doing. They're not just waiting for me to give them instructions and just going with whatever I say, yeah. right? They, they actually care about getting towards their goals. So being able to answer their question and really get them to um, understand why we're doing certain things, it, it, once they can understand that, they're going to be more willing to do it. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be more willing to do their homework. And then it's, it's, it turns over into the therapeutic side because um, the treat, my treatments, like I said, they're not very relaxing. They can be fairly aggressive. Um, nobody's going to fall asleep on my treatment tables. Yeah. Um, so if, if they ask me, it's like, so why does this, why does, why does this technique, um, how does this technique help me? Right. If, if something that's kind of not so like a, a treatment that's not so comfortable for them and they ask me, how does this pertain to my goal? if I can, if I can make them realize what I'm doing is a better result for them in the, in the long run, they're going to be more willing to go through all that a little, a little bit of uncomfortable feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say are some of the most important corrective exercises for people who sit at a desk for work or just sit at a desk in general? Well, the number one thing that I tell clients, um, like you said, who people who sit down a lot is take the time throughout the day ever so often to move yourself in the opposite position that you're constantly in. Mm. So it doesn't like it, that's the simplest form, um, because somebody who's sitting down a lot, just tell them to just stand up or do um, a cobra pose, right? Put yourself into that extension rather than that forward flex position all the time, Yeah. right? Because that's where the muscle imbalances start to happen because 
when we're seated in a, at a desk for eight hours a day at work, then spend about 45 uh, minutes in our car each way for, to and from work. And then we're seated at the kitchen table for 30 minutes. It adds up to like sometimes 10 hours a day. I was just in a seated position. Totally. Multiply that, multiply that by at least five times a week. That's a lot of hours throughout the week. And then if you're not putting yourself in that opposite, um, in, a, in the opposite posture, that's where those muscle imbalances happen. Because again, those shortened, constantly shortened muscles stay relaxed in that shortened position. Mm-hmm. And then at the opposite end, the muscles get stretched out and they get stretched out weak and inhibited. Right. So we need to we need to keep that balance where we need to keep those inhibited muscles awake and alert, mm-hmm. so those muscles can help us keep us in that better posture. Yeah. At the same time, you stretch out those those tight muscles. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. So yeah. important. One last um, big question: lower back pain huge issue for majority of the population. I'm sure you see people that come in with lower back pain, hand over fist. All the time. What, what do you think are the main causes of lower back pain? What do you think are some of the solutions? So two main causes are again, that forward flexed position. So in that seated position, our hips are in that forward flex um, position. Right. So those again, those muscles in that cause that do flexion in the hip, they get shortened. Yeah. So there's this muscle called the psoas that's attached from our lower spine and it attaches to our inner thigh of the of our legs. Right. When that gets shortened, um, our when we stand up, because our feet is what's rooted to the ground what ends up happening is that muscle ends up pulling our spine into more of a arched position and that, and obviously that over arch of that lower spine puts pressure on our, in our lower back and causes back pain. Yeah. That, that, and that's then, what we call anterior pelvic tilt. Correct. Right. And then that's also, um, a, what we call lower cross syndrome as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other issue as well is, a weak core Mm. right and then so glutes is i I consider glutes part of your core it's the biggest muscle in the body so in that seated position the glutes get stretched out weak and inhibited right so when when those when that muscle doesn't get used properly the muscles in our lower back the muscles in our in our uh the muscles of our hamstrings take the brunt work Mm-hmm. So and then those muscles get overworked and then in turn causes issues in the low back as well. Yeah. So again, it's a mixture of just stretching out those tight muscles and waking up those those sleepy, weak, and inhibited muscles. Yeah, lots of glute activation. I love how you said glutes are a part of the core because you know this is one thing that's very frustrating for uh, as a, a fitness professional when someone talks about their core, but they're just talking about like, like your abs. Your abs, like, yeah. That is yeah. just, that is just one, one part of the core, oh, right? One, yeah. Yeah. And then another part of the core is your diaphragm. So 
breathing is a huge thing as well. Mm. And yeah. that's something that it's it seems harder. It's it's harder than it seems because we're never taught how to breathe properly. No. Not until not until someone tells you, hey, you're not breathing properly. This is probably why you have so much neck pain because those muscles in the neck are just being overworked because you're just such a huge chest breather all the time. Oh, talk to me a little bit about that. I I because that is that's a huge topic. What can people do to breathe better? So um as I mentioned, diaphragm is part of the core. Yeah. And basically using your diaphragm is just being able to belly breathe mm. right so one one uh self-test that somebody can do is just sit in a proper posture put one hand on the belly one hand on your chest yeah and just breathe deeply and normally and figure out what is happening as you're breathing are you breathing more into into the chest or are you breathing into the belly? Typically, when you are diaphragmatically breathing, you are going to be breathing more so into your belly prior to breathing up into your chest. So there's nothing wrong with breathing up into, into the chest, but if all the air is going only up into the chest, that is what we call chest breathing. And it's very, very common because, again, when we're in a seated position, um, and the seated position that, that I'm in actually right now is I'm leaned over my, my table just looking at you. So I am constricting my, my stomach, right? So it, the air, uh, because my stomach is constricted, my diaphragm might not be working as hard. It's easier for the air to access up into my chest because that's what's more open in this position that I'm sitting in. Mm. Right. And if we're always in that constant position, we are just going to be so constantly chest breathing. And then in turn, we have these muscles on our neck called the scalenes. They attach to our first and second ribs. And part of his act, part of its action is to lift the first and second rib during inhalation. Right. So the scalenes isn't meant to be overworked uh, in in a yeah inhalation part of way like they're not meant to always have to contract and relax during breathing and that's what tends to happen when we're chest breathing all the time uh, so that's where we get again that's where people get neck pains because they're just chest breathing they're overworking those scaling muscles and then they end up getting tight and then at the same time their neck is getting pulled forward again yep yeah. Oh, that's that's actually uh, so helpful for me because I have a lot of jaw pain after I go for a really long walk and I'm breathing heavy because yeah. it's like I feel like it's just all going into my neck. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because I'm not breathing properly. Yeah. Well, again, like it's there's nothing wrong with chest breathing because you're doing some type of a physical activity um that's activating that type of nervous system where you do need that chest breathing right mm -hmm. but um it turns into something that's a little wrong is when you can't get out of that chest breathing like you think you're in more of a relaxed state now but you're still chest breathing totally yeah 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, that that is super helpful information. All right. So to wrap up the episode, and I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours, and I really yeah. do urge people to go and see a qualified registered massage therapist that has this kind of background, has a background in this kind of functional movement. Uh, if you're in Calgary, of course, go and see Marco, but no matter where you are in the world, I have listeners from all over the world, like find someone who can help you with this stuff because it really is life-changing. Uh, fun questions. I'm starting this okay. new thing where I'm ending with some fun questions. I'm a big foodie. I have a, a certification in nutrition coaching. So I like okay. to ask people about food. If you were uh -oh. stranded, if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> nice. That's this is why I said, uh-oh. It's because of like, oh, oh, I'm gonna out myself. I'm supposed to be a, I'm a, a health professional, but I'm gonna, but some of my answers are gonna be pretty uh you got your carbs, your healthy fat, your protein, right? What yeah. more do you need? Yeah. yeah. One thing I got to say, though, I'm not a huge dairy fan. So whenever I do order pizza, I always ask for a little bit less cheese. Yeah. So that's one positive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What's your favorite exercise in the gym? Right now, deadlifts. Mm. I used to hate deadlifts, but I love deadlifts now just because um prior to the or after the the first lockdown when we were able to open up again just i wasn't i wasn't able to move around a lot and when i started working out again it gave me back issues yeah um so i've been focusing a lot on um lower back strength yeah. stretching strengthening and different variations of deadlifts just work so much. It's really cool how the deadlift can, in one way or another, is can be super, super dangerous for somebody. But in another way, if you really, really focus on what needs to be done, you pop proper posture, even proper tempo, how much, how much strength you can develop in, in ev everywhere, your glutes, your core breathing your legs upper back upper back exactly yeah yeah so deadlifts deadlifts is one of my favorites right now for sure very cool what's the best meal you've ever eaten no matter where in the world it has been what's the best meal oh hmm. so it was uh it's like it's steak and sushi it's weird because my favorite food is pasta but steak and sushi was my uh probably my favorite meal because at the time very first time I had it I didn't see myself I didn't even see those two things went well together where did and you have somebody, that where it was uh, my friend took me to this restaurant in Calgary I forgot where it was but it was like I already liked, I already liked sushi to begin with, but this she introduced me to toro tuna. I don't know if you know that type of sushi, but it's a it's like a fatty, uh, a fatty tuna. Yeah. And yeah, it just it was just mind blowing. Yeah, I love me. Yeah, mixed with mixed with like a nice steak uh, as your main is 
it's perfect. And then have a little bit of wine. Yeah. Spoken like a true Calgarian. <laughs> you gotta get that, gotta get that beef in there. Yeah. yeah. Triple A Alberta beef. Absolutely. Uh last question. What's the most epic gym fail you've ever seen? Okay. Does it have to be at the gym or just gym related? Just gym related. Okay. Well, this is this this is my fail. Awesome. This is this happened to me. Um so this was prior to becoming a personal trainer and I was like I, I was working out all the time, but then there came this time where like I just didn't go to the gym for like two weeks. Yeah. So this was like my bar star days where I was always partying over the weekend and stuff. So one time I just like just too lazy to go to the gym. So I didn't go to the gym for two weeks. And then when I went the first day back at the gym, I was smart enough to take it a little easier for sure. But um, instead of doing heavier weights, I just did volume work, right? Which is which I thought was cool. And at the time, I would always hang out at the um, the juice bar after the, the workout because I knew I knew the people there. Yeah. I would hang I would hang out and just kind of chat with them before I went home. And when it was time for me to go home, I this the stools that you're sitting on they're really high, so you kind of have to like slide off. As soon as I slid off, my legs buckled. Oh no! I almost hit my chin on the counter, and then the guy, the guy, the guy at the counter was like, "Oh shoot, are you okay, man?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay." So I started walking. I walked out of the gym. I crossed the street in the parking lot to walk to my car, and then my legs buckled again as I'm walking the street, and they buckled so hard my knees hit the ground. This was the summertime, so I was wearing shorts, and. The embarrassing part was there was a car that was waiting for me to cross the street oh, to turn no. in. And I buckled right in front of his car. And I, I had my backpack on me. So I, there was a little bit of weight. So I couldn't pick myself up right away. <laughs> I just, the guy just rolled down his window. And then he was like, he's like, yo, are you okay? And then I'm just like, and I just, I was just so embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then he was just like, leg day. He's like, yeah, like that. He's like, cool. <laughs> so it was, I was happy that he was understanding of why I'm just in the middle of the road, not getting up yet. <laughs> I was thankful for him be, understanding that, but it was really embarrassing. And I had a huge scab on my knee for like two weeks after that. Oh, I love that story. It's even better because it involves a fall and there's just something, I mean, falls can be really disastrous for older people, but like for, for younger, I mean, I just love yeah. watching people fall or slip or. Yeah. yeah, it was, look, it was safe to say it was a good workout, yeah. but I probably pushed it a little too hard for my first day back at the gym after two weeks. Yeah. So can you leave our listeners with some advice when it comes to training, posture, et cetera? So, okay, my best advice, obviously, is movement matters. Yeah. Right? Um, if you're hurt, if you're getting back at the gym, first thing you want to do is just move. All right? So if you're hurt, you move around to your pain-free. The whole idea is to maintain the range that you have so when you're able to start exercising a little bit more you're not 
trying to regain range mm. that you that you already had while you were injured. You're just re regaining range um, that you lost because of the injury. Right. And then somebody who's starting off in uh, into fitness, movement matters because you don't want to jump into um, a crazy workout right away. Like take it from me, just from the story that I just told. Um, there is such a thing as going too hard too soon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like somebody who's just jumping into the fitness industry, um, if you are sore for a week, you're more than likely not going to want to come back to work out because you're just way too sore. Mm -hmm. And then if you're, constantly playing that game of waiting till you're not sore anymore to go back to the gym and then next thing you know you're only going to the gym maybe once or twice a week or maybe once every two weeks because you're just so sore all the time yeah. number one there's no consistency there number two you're it's not making fitness fun yeah so it's really just starting off starting start moving first Love just, that. and then again move in move in directions and put yourselves in positions that you're not in in the opposite position that you're constantly in mm -hmm. um, so you're stretching those tight muscles and then start getting into the gym or start doing some exercises that activate those muscles that have been weaked and inhibited yeah love that that's awesome advice where can our listeners find you um, mostly on Instagram. So movement.matters.yyc. Mm -hmm. I also have a website, movementmattersyyc.com. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, those are the two main places where you can find me. I, I mainly post on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so DM me if you have any questions. I love talking about, I love nerding out about anything that I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marco. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I know our listeners. Are, yeah, hundred percent. I know our listeners are really going to get a lot out of this episode. Sweet. This is my first time. I'm happy to uh, to uh, have this uh, first podcast with you. Somebody who's very interested in stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, take care and you have a good day. You as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.